Hello and welcome to season four. Yes, this podcast is only two years old. Why season four? Why not? Welcome to season four of the Sports Unite podcast. Uh, we are coming to you from all over Canada with some of your favorite uh, guests and members of the podcast community. We have Cole joining us. Cole, you're first this time. I don't know how that happened, but uh, welcome back. Can tell you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be first. <laughs> and we have Paul joining us back again. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. And thank you very much for having me along. Appreciate it. And our territory correspondent and favorite coach of the podcast, Kenzie, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you again for having me. If you're not first, you're last. (laughs) And the other favorite members of the podcast will be back with us in season four. Don't worry, we don't fire anyone here at the Sports United podcast. Uh, So we have a great set of discussions and lots of cool, interesting uh, talks coming up this season. Uh, We will be recapping the hockey season. Don't you worry. Uh, But we got to start with the other winter sport, basketball. For the first time in that I can remember, basketball has finished its season before hockey. Usually it does not happen this way. And for the fourth time in the past uh, seven seasons, eight seasons, the Golden State Warriors are champions again. They have the Kendrick Lamar, I don't know if you want to call it a curse, but every time he puts out an album, Golden State seems to win. So uh, Kendrick is not allowed to retire ever uh, and just keep making music. Uh, But the big discussion to come from this is, is you know splash brothers again win another championship no one's really talking about it with um with clay but steph steph curry now enters the discussion about being in the top 10 of all time already made the anniversary team already with three uh championships now this is his fourth and he adds the finals mvp to that Let's start the discussion there. Is it fair to say that Steph Curry is a top 10 NBA player of all time? Oh, you absolutely have to. I mean, look at, he's such a selfless player. He's all about the team. He does what he wants. Like they thrive as a team. I mean, they went from what, two years ago, they were almost last They're bringing the team back up together again. Teamwork, the young guys, they brought in new, some new players. Uh, I mean, look at, you bring in Wiggins, who didn't really kind of, had an up and down few years, and they just made him a great player again. Steph makes players great around him, and no doubt he should be definitely in the discussion of top 10. Even in one of the best point guards there has been to play the game. Yeah, no, I definitely would agree on that for sure. I mean, I look over at some of the highlights in his career and everything. I mean, already mentioned, you know, four-time NBA champion, NBA finals MVP this year, uh, and MVP most valuable player twice in 15 and 16, all-star from 2014 to 2019, 21, and last year, or this year, actually. Um, And just so many other, you know, different accolades and everything like that. And I mean, my God, I can remember the days when Golden State was pretty much kind of like a bit of a trash heap for a while, like long gone were their uh, heydays in, I believe, the 70s. And then before you know it, he comes comes around along with many other key pieces and they become a major dynasty. So definitely, definitely agree on him being a quite the all-star. Um, yeah, not too much of a dissenting opinion over here. I would put Steph in my top 10. Um, he's got the finals MVPs. He's got the rings. He's got the three point shooting. He's, 
to me, what he's done for basketball is almost changed the game. Um, It used to be a lot of drive the rim, get that layup, get that rebound. And Steph said, I'll be, I'm going to be back here. I'm going to shoot from back here. Um, The reason that I say that is just looking in my school and looking at the basketball players that we have through my school, a lot of those kids want to be like Steph. They want to shoot the three. They want to shoot the three. They want to be that sharpshooter. Um, and you don't see a lot of kids going for layups anymore. So he's really made a shift in how basketball is played. Um, so I think, yeah, he's top 10 for me. He, he made the three-pointer sexy. And I don't think there's – I think it's the biggest thing to happen to the three – you know, talking about a component of a sport seems really weird, but I don't think since the uh, integration of and inclusion of the three-point line, I don't think there's been a bigger effect to the three-point shot than Steph Curry. Like you said, you know, the Golden State Warriors were the Cinderella team that everyone cheered for in the eight seed. And they, you know, they, uh, I forget what year it was. Uh, where they defeated the one seed and everyone was like, oh, good for you. Yeah, Golden State. Oh, gee, Willikers, look at you. And then, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs again and they were back in the basement. Gone are those days. Steph Curry, Clay, Draymond, uh, you know, and then having uh, KD for, for two championships, just, you know, they showed what teamwork playing together, what they could do. Steph even said last year when they lost to Memphis in the play-in, he said, watch out for them next year. He's a man of the word. He, he called it. He's, he's changed the game. He's changed components. Uh, like you were saying, everyone wants to, not just a three-pointer, but shoot from the logo, the center. Like he can, he can do no wrong. He can miss no wrong. He's making shots that no one should be making, and he makes it look effortless. And that's forever going to change and impact the game going forward and the next generation. Because how many now, how many three-point shooters are we going to have, you know, or how many, you know, maybe players who are 12 are changing their game to emulate Steph that will soon be in college and then soon be in the top leagues. It's not many players can do that. Many players can win championships and MVPs, but they can't change the game. Oh, agreed for sure. And I mean, to me, three pointers were already mighty fine looking, at least of the ones I've seen at a few Raptors games that I've gone to in the past while, which got to say, if you, ever, if you ever, if you have not ever been to a game, highly recommend it. It's like a party, at least to me it is. Anyway, but yeah, no, I mean, he definitely has revolutionized the three-point shot for sure. And I was just looking over and everything. The one series that you were referring to was back around 2007 when they beat uh, Dallas in six. Oh, that's even old. Oh, my goodness. Even oh, 2007. Crazy, eh? <laughs> uh, but that just shows you, yeah, how how much of a basement dweller team Golden State was for a long time, and now they're they're a dynasty. They they are. Let me see. Uh, Do we call Miami a dynasty? And not really. The Spurs were the first dynasty mm-hmm. of the two thousands, and. Yeah, I, I would say Golden State is the next. Okay, so let's do a fun little project. If the podcast were to make top 10 players of NBA of all time, let's try and agree on 10 players. So obviously we're, we're going to put Jordan. That's, I, I think everyone can agree. That's, go. Uh, that's a given. That's a given. Mm-hmm. Do we put Magic? I'd put magic. I think That's I like that answer. And I, I'm disregarding, you know, positions. I, I I don't think that's a big enough 
you know, you can only have, oh, you can only have two center, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, players don't play the same position anymore. Nobody knows if you're a power forward, if you're a small forward. Like, center is really the only position where it's like, yeah, you're set, you're a center, all right. All right. Speaking of centers, uh, do we put, now this might be controversial. Do we put both, Kareem and Shaq. I do. Yeah, I can't deny. You can't put one without the other. One of the greatest, one of the greatest scorers, and a guy that actually changed the game by ripping down hoops. Yeah, yeah. They had, they They literally had to change the the design of nets. The The breakaway rim is is because of Shaq. And less backboards being uh, broken and glass everywhere. I have I have been at a game where a glass is shattered. That was that was very interesting. All right, so we have Shaq. We have to have Kobe, right? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Read. You can't have one without the other. In can't my have opinion. one with the other. Generations of basketball fans really. I mean, it's not their fault if they weren't born when Kobe got to play, but really. All right, so we're at five. Now here's where we get the back half. So we have that LeBron. You you have to. It's hard. I mean, he's dominated the league for years. He's made his mark. He's brought in teams that shouldn't have been to the finals and won the finals. He brought them there and they won. He's obviously had like the big three in Miami, but he's done it from next to nothing also. So, I mean, to me, you put him in. He's in mine, at least. Skill-wise, yes. Um Skill-wise, absolutely. I like he's one of these guys that to me it's undeniable. You've got the rings, you've got some scoring records. You're as good of a Hall of Famer as anyone else. Um I, I struggle with LeBron and I've always struggled with LeBron in the fact that he's just not humble. Mm. He's never had a humble bone in his body. And so I struggle there, but I do agree with Cole. Like it, when you're looking at the skill, and that's what the Hall of Fame is looking at, is the skill and the numbers. It's undeniable. It, it's funny with that humbleness or lack of. I find I have that issue with uh, Michael Jordan a little bit here and there, though. That's <laughs> you know separate matter. Uh, <laughs> same here. Yes, but either way, I. Basically, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here with agreeing that he would be on there. And if he isn't there, he's going to be. And he definitely does deserve it. I mean, sure, did have more of a time in the sun with the, the heat, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, but <laughs> despite that, he did make the, did deliver on the promise with the Cleveland ending that drought. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean everyone has an opinion on LeBron, especially if you grew up watching Jordan, you're, you you know, that fiery competitiveness, you know, we, in the early days of the podcast, we did an episode recap of each of the last dance. If you haven't seen the last dance, go on Netflix, watch it well worth 10 plus hours of viewing gives you an insight of what was going on. You know, what his thought process is, into everything, the competitiveness, how you get to that point. Like there's just so much going on. So I think those of us that grew up with Jordan kind of knew or understood where he was coming from. And then to see LeBron younger in a different mindset, I think that plays into it. Just the different difference uh, between the two. And, you know, they're both, winners they're both athletic beasts they're they've changed the game you know kids wanted to be lebron growing up kids wanted to be jordan people still want to be jordan um so it's 
you know, if you have that much impact, I think that plays a role, um, you know, in addition to accolades or attitude, if you will. So we're at six. And if we're going to add Steph, that means we're at seven. So there are three spots left. Do I hear any, any nominations, any? Larry Bird, anyone? Larry Bird, the, the greatest white player of all time. <laughs> uh, we, can we say that? I don't know, but. <laughs> See, it's hard for me to pick like Larry Bird because obviously we had the good amount of like five from before. And now you're kind of comparing, I guess, Larry Bird to someone kind of in this generation of uh, NBA. It could be like uh, Giannis or a Kyle Lowry type player. That's okay, the- okay. Well, 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 well let's, let's calm down young person here. <laughs> Giannis could be a top 10 player. I mean... Mind you, he's not there yet whatsoever. Not there yet. Like I'm just, he has a championship. To, like uh, how many? You got you got to have your own, I guess, merits on what qualifies someone to be. So Giannis has the, you know, definitely the talent. He's still growing as a player. He has impacted the international audience, getting uh, you know more Europeans invested in the NBA because there is those, the Turkish league, the Greek league, the Spanish league that have been over in Europe for decades. And, you know, the NBA is the NBA, depending on if you bring a, a LeBron or a Jordan, like you saw in the last dance, go over and play an exhibition game that gets people excited in Europe. But you know, how many people follow the NBA versus how many people follow the Spanish league, the Greek league, the Turkish league, because that's where players who don't make the NBA, they don't stay and play in the CEBL. I mean, yeah, J Cole did a great service to promote the CEBL before he had to go on tour, played four games. Um, So now people know that Canada has a basketball league, but you're going to play in Europe before you're going to play in the CEPL. Let's be real. So does he, you know, ha- has he helped the internationals? Sure. But uh, I don't see Giannis maybe top 25, but as of right now, That's I don't fair. see him top 10. Fair enough. That's fair. I agree on that. Hmm. So so now we're at eight. We got two more spots. Ooh, Tim Duncan. Ooh, ooh. Now we're getting. Do we? Yeah. Well, yeah. Tim Duncan did more than than the Admiral. I think. I think the Admiral started something, but and Tim Duncan took that and flew with it yeah what do people think about ai Uh, see this is where it gets tricky for me the bottom five and a two or three i just don't know you you can rotate so many guys in and out like because then you could go you know what about what about wilt 10 championships, hundred scored a hundred freaking points in a game. Yeah. No video evidence. And that legend, no one just, <laughs> that is the one thing I've never heard someone dispute that Wilt scored a hundred without, you know, how many people dispute a freaking home run in today's MLB with 18 camera angles, but no one disputes that Wilt scored a hundred. They're like, yep. Yeah, I was there. People I saw were there. He did it. <laughs> I'm one of those. I don't. Who am I to dispute that dude scored a hundred? Like, I don't think it's something. Kobe was the closest thing, I think, that we're ever going to see in our lifetime. 
to someone scoring a hundred. I LeBron's too old now, too, too yeah. broken. Uh, like maybe Steph, if he shoots 25 threes in a game, which that, that would break his own record. But watch him do it. Well, watch him. Yeah. If anyone's, yeah. I think he's, he's, the, he's the closest do to do it. And that's another thing. Steph owns the three point record. For he has over three thousand made three pointers in his career, beating the great. likes of Ray Allen, Allen Iverson. Like, so Heck, he broke his own record, and he broke his own record. So, so okay. So the only other player I can think of is Bill Russell. Yeah, but people right. seem to think that he's like too like too old that people like forget about him even though he gets trucked out for every slam dunk competition just so people don't forget still put him in got a good number of alkylates and and then you could get the you know the jerry west the hakeem elijah one i don't think i'd put Charles Parkley or Carl Malone or maybe Oscar Robertson. But yeah, then I think you're you're stretching and I think we have enough to finish the top 10 anyway. So yeah, so, I feel like when you get kind of down like you said to where you get to the point where it's kind of like the last like seven or eight it's who could really kind of fit there hear me out too am i the only one who's like people are very high on kevin durant and while he has he's a very good player i i don't get the like he he, to me he hasn't changed the game like lebron like i don't there's a conversation that he should be in the top 10 and I, I don't see that. I, I Like he's a dominant player at his position and wherever he goes, he shows, he plays. He's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't, like you said, he hasn't really changed the environment of where he is. He, he hasn't like in, in Brooklyn, he hasn't risen to the top. Like no matter other than Golden State, but he joined a well-established oiled machine and made them better. Yes, made them better, but they clearly still win without him. Mm. And okay, so I think we go with for the last. Let me see. One, two, three. Five, six, seven, eight. For the last two, we omit AI and put in Tim and Bill. I'm good with that. That works. Yeah. And I'm not even going to try. I don't really know who, how to compare those. Yeah. With, you know, we could put, you know, we could have a, a, you know, off the board, you know, the next five, but that. And I'm not even unless you want to try and number them or rank them. I don't. <laughs> that, that would be even harder. That would be even harder. Is hard enough. Yeah. You would call our top ten and put them in any particular one to ten order. <laughs> We'd be here all day. We would be here all day. It'd be a very. It'd be a lot of. Mm, uh, ooh, I don't know. Wait, what? Not a very good what listening about, podcast. What about this category. What about this category? Yeah. <laughs> you do rings. You do. Yeah, change the game. The impact. You do accolades. You do point. Like everyone's going to have their different opinion on what matters and what doesn't. And, uh, so, all right. So, to recap, listeners, if you were very confused by that, our top ten, putting a stamp seal approval and uh, let us know on our social media pages if we got this right wrong who we left off who were idiots for not even considering so in no particular order michael jordan magic johnson kareem abdul jabbar Shaq, kobe lebron 
Steph Curry, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, and Bill Russell are our 10 greatest players in NBA history. Of course, this is NBA. They're international players that never got a chance to play that don't. It's a lot of research to go in. So, and uh, last notes uh, is that Andrew Wiggins has become the eighth Canadian to win the NBA championship, the Larry O'Brien trophy. So congratulations to the former number one pick who had a lot of pressure coming out of college is a champion on a great team. Um, any last words about the uh, NBA season? I just say like, even looking at the younger generation of the golden state warriors right now, they're going to be dangerous in the next few years as well. Definitely don't count them out. Do we dare say this is the trailer to the movie of next season, a la Blue Jays, except the trailer is winning a championship. So I can't wait to see what the movie, uh, what the movie is. Maybe, maybe a repeat. (laughs) Repeat. Do they sniff their own record of wins in a season? Like, the sky's the limit with that team. Honestly. Sky's the limit. Yeah. Honestly, only time will tell. To me, honestly, I just can't believe the season came and went. Um, we'll say, though, I'm looking forward to what the Raptors will cook up uh, next year. I mean, They're I think it's pretty bright for them, too. They took Philly to six, so anything can happen. A couple roadblocks. They just, I think they need that just extra player. They need that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Kyle Lowry might, I don't think he'll come back, but I, if Kyle would to come back, I think he could, uh, he could lead them higher. I wish he would come back. <laughs> I think if he comes back, it's to retire. And I mean, they are naming a street after him. So it's true. I'm still waiting for that. Uh, that statue they keep saying they're going to build. If- I'm still waiting for the statues over at the at the dome, but that's for another day. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, hold your breath with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment or Rogers. Yeah, I'll say that even if you do sponsor us, I I don't hold. You got to know where the fans stand. Yeah, with them, they're too focused with the Leafs. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the fans. The U.S. Open just finished. The Canadian Open happened the week before. And let me tell you, uh, golf, I think, is at a little bit of a crossroads. Uh, everyone loves to watch Happy Gilmore and see Happy, you know, get the crowd going. The Phoenix or the sorry, the Waste Management Open that happens in Phoenix is always a party. You got the grandstands, you got people cheering the athletes love it so when it comes to the pga they have a competitor now if you want to call it a competitor i don't know people have started to jump ship for a guaranteed payday and a less grueling schedule so my first question to you all for this controversial lvi golf tour should the PGA tour really be worried or is it just, we're going to, we're going to wait and see, is it a splash in the pan and we will do what, you know, they'll, they'll kind of see what happens and go from there. I think they should definitely be worried. I mean, you look at all the professional leagues like NBA, NFL, NHL, all the players are signed. They all have a, their own salary. The PGA is the only, well, there's multiple, but like one of the big majors that don't have a guaranteed money. Like it's, how do you, and you're going up against people who have a lot of money willing to pay the golfers to come over 
leisurely come and go as they please, still able to compete in some some major events. I mean, who's to say there's someone that doesn't come in with more money and do the same thing? The golfers in the PGA Tour only get money really from sponsorships and if they win, depending on like how they place in a tournament. Those of you that watch like, Happy Gilmore, that part was true. You have to finish in a certain position to get paid. <laughs> that like, and the price is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with Bob Parker. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm torn, to be completely honest. I mean, the jury's still out for me on it. I mean, on one hand, yeah, they should be a bit worried in that, that it is competition with some big backings from Saudi Arabia. And yet part of me also still kind of thinks that PGA is just too big to fail in a way. I mean, again, should they should concern themselves with this. And yet, you know, competition is always, always good. Reminds me a bit like with in the history books back in the day with NHL, when, uh, I think it was the WHA was around and everything and the little competition there kind of reminds me of that in a way. So honestly, I, to me, who kind of knows really, but I would say definitely have some concern, but I don't know. I still think PGA is just too big to fail. See, they're big, but they're not paying their golfers. That's the only difference. They get tons of they're money, not. but they're paying out pennies. I mean, Mm -hmm. Dustin Johnson leaves the PGA Tour. You can't turn down $120 million. Like, Mm -hmm. fair fair enough. I mean, hey, money talks. So, exactly. If anything, they will have to, they will have to to pay them a bit more if they want to stay viable. Once Once athletes start getting the sniff of a little bit of money, I mean, you look at like the NIL in college now you get that sniff a little money if players will follow mm-hmm. i'm just mm-hmm. waiting to see some more big names start to jump over soon we'll see i'll see the one thing for me i do think the pga should be worried but not yet um i'm not sure who the who said the who made the comment of it's a bunch of has-beens and never wases. Um, looking at the lineup, there are some good names over there. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of the names I've seen are guys who I'm going, who, who's that? Um, I do watch a fair share of my fair share of golf. I don't know everybody. I can't claim to know everybody, but a lot of these names that have jumped over have been a who, who's that? Never heard of them. So for me, that comments kind of stands. Um, I did hear a rumor, and this is where I think the PGA should be concerned, that Colin Morikawa was considering heading over to that tour and kind of renouncing his PGA Tour membership. He's an upcoming star in the golf world. He's young, he's talented, and he's obviously going where the money is. Um, That would be a big get if he was to leave, and that should concern the PGA is when your young golfers start to leave. That's that's my take on the whole thing. So for those of you that don't know, there's a little bit of a different format to this uh, to s- series as well, if you will. So there are two components. There's a team component and an individual. So there'll be captains uh, featuring of 12 teams. And then obviously, depending on how you, uh, how you play, uh, win points, and then the top team uh, gets uh, the big dollar-dollar paydays. Uh, and then individual uh, is kind of the same. Uh, each golfer competes, and uh, based on your kind of positioning, you get points. Now, one big format change to this golf is there are only 54 holes, not 72 holes. And every golfer makes it to all 54 holes. There's no cuts. 
and every golfer starts at the same time. It's a shotgun start. Uh, every golfer will start at a different hole. So none, not of this uh, start at hole one or hole nine and or hole 10 and then go from there. So slightly different uh, features. Now, when it comes to the payday, the big, what everyone's talking about, each regular season event features a $25 million purse. 20 million is split between the 48 golfers taking part. The winner gets 4 million. And the last place winner, or I get winner in my books, because the last place golfer gets $120,000 just for showing up. The remaining 5 million from each event, each event goes to the teams. The top three teams uh, get the winner. The top team gets three, 1.5 and 500,000 split between the four members of the team. So, and then there's a bonus pool of money of $30 million. The individual champion of the entire thing will net $18 million. The winning team at the end of the season gets $16 million. The group in last place gets a million dollars like if if i'm just looking out for me and you know looking to get paid for the sport i love to play i who can blame these golfers for going for you know 18 million dollars and you still get to play in the big tournaments in the pga because it's not controlled by the pga so they can say cool you're never coming back but four times a year at the masters. Oh, Tiger Woods is playing with Dustin Johnson. You're going to know both of those names. You don't need to have Dustin Johnson win the Nissan open in Missouri, a random weekend. So some of these formats and I mean the money, I, I don't, I can't see why the PGA is not worried like Kenzie said, after this season, because if all goes well, you know, money's not an issue. If all goes well, how many more people are going to jump ship? Are they going to have to say reject players? Are people going to have to apply? Because obviously the reason why the PGA has to have cuts and everything is because there are how many golfers in a, in a tournament, a hundred and something, depending on sponsorships and all this stuff. So if, if all goes well, you're going to have to apply. So if any golfers out there want to apply, just email the LIV and see if your membership can, because uh, you're set. I will fin gladly finish last for $120,000. I will fly myself. Where's the next, uh, I will gladly fly myself to Portland, Oregon for the Pumpkin Ridge event. Heck, I'll even play at a Trump National Golf Course for $120,000. <laughs> and not to mention, like, the amount of time in between. Like, players can fly home and spend more time with their families. Where in the PGA Tour, it's like weekend after weekend. Like, you barely get time during the majors of the season which frankly goes a majority of the year. I mean, there's, I definitely see what Kenzie means, like the, maybe after this season, but there's a lot more pros looking at the LIV league than the PGA tour at this point. And the fact that I find it funny that the PGA tour still doesn't own like the masters and some of the opens and stuff. And the fact that these golfers can come and go as they please, which is great for the sport. Well, and one thing I'm just going to throw out there that I find interesting now um, was something Justin had said. I forgot that the field was only 48 golfers. 
So I guess if too many of them go over and they have to do some sort of application process and the PGA tour has already suspended you, where are you going to go? You can't come back to us because you're over there and they won't have you at this tournament. So what do you do? So maybe the PGA is not worried for that reason. Maybe they realize that, Oh, we got to field the 48. Where are they going to go? We don't need to worry about them. They'll come crawling back to us when they can't get into these. Just a thought. That is true. I mean, if all the big, most of the big names go over, that opens the door for newer big games and the younger crowd to become a household name in the PGA. So it can be a catch 22. We'll have to see what the LIV does. If lots of golfers want to come over. I think they're putting out feelers and they might tweak the format. Does the PGA need to switch up some of its formats or allow more crowd participation, like more than just one event a year? Uh, I mean, kind of the Canadian Open was kind of a, you know, they, they let the crowd go and everything. So maybe having a couple more of those events where they're, they, it's a party atmosphere. Because how many people go down to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open? I think that's one of the few events where the sponsor has never changed or changed probably, I think, the early 2000s that became the Waste Management Open. And they've kept their sponsorship because it's a heck of a deal when you have 500,000 people going down. I know many people in Canada fly down for this event. Uh, So it do they need more of these events to bring the younger generations to want to go and attend a golf tournament, not just watch it on TV or be like, Oh yeah, that's cool. He won. I'll go play around a golf. I will say <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of chuckling a little bit, not the most appealing, you know, sponsorship name, <laughs> waste management, my personal opinion there, <laughs> but uh, joking aside, yeah, I mean, anything to differentiate from LIV and everything when, if, if it comes down to, like, say, like, getting the crowd more involved or switching floor maps up. I mean, I don't see why not in them switching things up a bit if they want to stay viable. Exactly. Just like how you said, like, sports have to grow in with that younger generation. You've seen it happen with, like, the NFL and the NBA how they're interacting with the crowd more and kind of bringing that younger fan base coming up, like some stars from the NBA, like you see the Canadian generation come up and more players like that, they build the playing field. But where golf, I feel like is kind of one of those funny sports where you still have that really like the older generation that see the kind of like the prim and proper, as you'd say, like they, it's kind of like an unwritten rule of baseball, but like the unwritten rules of golf, realistically. And then you have the people who enjoy golf and do like the, like you guys were saying, like the waste management, like the more like the enjoying, the drinking, the party atmosphere when they go golfing and not take it so super seriously. And I think that's where with this, they may be kind of in that little standstill of having to choose and grow if they want to kind of continue. I won't lie. This sounds incredibly unsportsmanlike, but I won't lie. There's moments where I would not mind booing a golfer if they missed like a birdie or anything. I'm sorry. I know it sounds savage, but come on. <laughs> but that could be something that like the younger generation would want. Are we, let us react to this instead of just in a, the golf clap, the, the quiet please on, on the signs that all the yeah, marshals like, hold up. Like, none of this classy stuff. <laughs> well, like, I, don't, I don't mind the quiet please when the golfers are getting ready to hit a shot, but like, oh, yeah, that's and beforehand, like, let the crowd be a little bit rowdy. Let us get into it. I've been, in a, I've been to two PGA championships in the last decade, and it's pretty much you're walking around quiet. There's no big party in, there's no you know, whooping it up. There's not a lot of noise. Unless they make a good shot, you get the, yeah, but it's pretty quiet. Um, 
they could do something to encourage a little more fan interaction or uh, rowdiness, I guess. Golf at one point was a privileged sport, if you will, or only the, the, the ones considered privileged could play, which is why it was proper to just golf clap and everyone quiets. And golf's not like that anymore. Golf is accessible. There are many courses that uh, are not expensive to play. Uh, it's just finding the equipment or renting the equipment and going out and having a good time. And it's now more international than it has ever been. So you're bringing in those international flavors, the different aspects from around the world. And, you know, who maybe that we need to infuse that as well, have more international tournaments a little bit more like for the lvi you got the first one was in england i don't even remember hearing about it but you got the next three in america next four in america but then you go to bangkok you go to Jeddah, uh and then it ends in miami like yeah travel sucks but grow the game you become a if you want to become a dave david hasselhoff in germany of golf and just be the biggest name and not be from there. What's to stop you? So our last discussion topic of today's episode, the last episode or the last discussion topic of the first episode of season four, uh, tomorrow in Canada, it is indigenous people's day. Uh, and so we felt that to honor, uh, the many indigenous peoples, uh, of Canada and around the world, uh, we wanted to highlight some very important indigenous athletes, uh, from today to years past, uh, maybe feature some people that aren't really well known and just get their name and story out there. Um, and yeah, so we've all chosen, uh, a couple to talk about uh who would like to go first uh, i'll go first here so my person that i'm highlighting today is uh gaylord palace the magnificent mohawk now growing up in orangeville over in ontario lacrosse has been intertwined with the town for over a century being the institution that it is here, we cannot deny that lacrosse goes a bit farther into the history of this land as it was and still is known as a game created by our Indigenous peoples. Now, originally known as Bogotaway, or the Creator's Game, lacrosse was played by many Indigenous peoples to give thanks to the Creator for letting them play on the land, among other reasons. Uh, one major rival to Orangeville is Six Nations, which is a reservation over between Hamilton and Brantford. Now, I can't say that I totally care for the teams that we have faced over the years from Six Nations, but I cannot deny the sheer talent that comes from the reserve. Many noteworthy names have come from, from there, from Lawn Boat to Bombury to Hill and Stats, just to name a few. But if there is one name that is synopsis with the Six Nations, it is Paulus, in particular, Gaylord Paulus. Born on December 1st, 1946 on the Six Nations Reservation, Gaylord was pretty much coming out into the world with a lacrosse stick in hand. His opponents soon discovered how to throw, <laughs> how to throw him off his game by abusing him physically and verbally, knowing that he would retaliate and take a dumb penalty and often sometimes an injection from the game. <laughs> um, he once often reflected that he uh, lost his temper quite often while playing until one day his dad threatened to make him quit the game he loved so dearly if he did not control his temper. So suddenly he uh, basically started to self-discipline himself in that. Um, throughout his career, he uh, was with the Oshawa Green Gales in which he won as a junior player two scoring titles, was twice awarded the Ken Ross Trophy for Ability and Sportsmanship, accumulated uh, 710 points, excuse me, in 110 junior games, and was named the Tom Lomboat Trophy winner as Canada's outstanding First Nations athlete in 1964 and 1967. And he also helped Oshawa, the Green Gales, 
uh, captured the Minnow Cup in four years, uh, with him being twice named the Minnow Cup Series' MVP. He later graduated to senior level across in 1968, where he would play with a variety of teams from Peterborough to Hamilton to St. Catharines, Brantford, Oshwegan, North Vancouver, and uh, Brampton, to name a few. Uh, this was all until he had to uh, retire in around 1977 as his, as his back was too far gone at that point. Uh, he also played on Canada's national winning team in the what was then called uh, at the time the Indian International Field Lacrosse Tournament at Expo 67 against the United States which was coached by Ross Paulus, which, of course, relation. Uh, in his senior lacrosse playing career, he played over uh, 303 games, which resulted in him netting 492 goals, 741 assists, 233 points, and one Man Cup ring. Uh, he was also a standout player for the Detroit Olympics of the National Lacrosse Association. He scored 36 goals in the 1968 season, uh, the next highest uh, on Detroit's roster was Elmer Tran with only 30 goals. So just to give a little context there. Uh, unfortunately, he would tragically pass on from cancer in 2001, just a handful of months away from his 55th birthday. Uh, the old arena in the heart of Oshwegan in the reservation was renamed the Gaylord Palace Arena in his honor, where a variety of Six Nations teams continue to play to this day. And in 2017, he was posthumously inducted into Canadian Hall of Fame. So that's Gaylord Palace for you. Just a, a beast at lacrosse. Truly. Definitely, definitely, uh, definitely well-deserved to be in the Canada Hall of Fame. A little, a little late in my opinion, but uh, got to right some wrongs sometimes and wait. Who would like to go next? I'll go next. Uh, so the first, the Indigenous athlete I've chosen to do is Thomas Longboat, also known as Tom, or goes by Tom. Uh, Tom was an Onondaga distance runner from the Six Nations of the Grand River, born July 4th, 1886. Um, in 1907, at the age of 19, Tom broke the record for the Boston Marathon, running it in a time of two hours and 24 minutes, 24 minutes, which is absolutely incredible. The year later, they uh, changed the course to make it a little longer. Uh, Tom represented Canada in 1908 at the Olympics. He unfortunately collapsed uh, on the last mile of the race, along with another contender, who they were running neck and neck with. There was speculation both were drugged. Um, a year later, a rematch was held at the Madison Square Garden at which Tom won the title of professional champion of the world. Uh, at the age of 29, Tom set aside his professional running career to enlist in the first world war. Tom was used Tom used his incredible gift as a part of the 107th Battalion as a dispatch runner, where he would run messages and orders between units. Uh, there was a time where Tom was even pronounced dead, which was incorrect uh, due to the mixed messages back then. Um, Tom continued to compete in inter-battalion events, which he won almost every race. Um, Tom was diagnosed with diabetes in 1949 and sadly passed away. Thomas Charles Lombot was a residential school survivor who went on to inspire millions of people, including myself, to get out and run. In 1955, Tom was inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame and the Indian Hall of Fame. There are several short films on Tom Lombot's amazing story and in Ontario, on June 4th, we celebrate Tom Lombot Day, remembering the incredible impact he had and continues to have for Indigenous people and the country of Canada. Also, the newest Heritage Minute. For those of you that don't know Heritage Minutes, 
go uh, set aside an afternoon. They are one minute clips of people and historical events about Canada's history, everything from science, engineering, war, builders, leaders, sports figures. So uh, they're one of my favorite things to use for teaching, hands down. Gotta love the Heritage Minute. Um, Takes so, me back. <laughs> so I have two athletes. Um, as you can't talk about one without the other, um, twin cross-country skiers, Shirley and Sharon Firth um, from the Northwest Territories. They were both born on December 31st, 1953 in the small town of Aklavik, Northwest Territories. Executive Olympic Winter Games, 1972, 76, 80, and 84. Um, born to a Gwich'in mother and a Métis father. Um, they grew up going to residential school here in Anuvik, where I'm currently living. Um, had a rough go at the residential school. However, one of the priests was a cross-country skier and got the girls both into cross-country skiing where they then became um, members of the test program, it was called. Um, and that stood for Territorial Experimental Ski Training. Um, the girls excel excelled in the skiing program and moved along um, in their careers, ultimately attending four consecutive Olympic Games. After the Games, they, were, they returned to the territory where they worked for the GNWT for a long time um, and then retired. Unfortunately, um, Shirley passed away from cancer a few years ago. Sharon remains alive and with us. She does speeches. She goes around visiting various places. Um, she's cut the ribbon for our local ski loppet here a few times. She's been the starter. Um, she's just living her life and hanging out with her family these days. And her sister is well remembered and both are well-respected members of the community up here and have pushed a lot of kids into cross-country skiing. We've, we've had a lot of other successful Olympians, both male and female, um, go cross-country skiing at nationals, other Olympics, um, all because of their influence. Um, they also became the first Indigenous women to be inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame back in 2015. So that's the first sisters. Very inspiring. I know they were featured uh, this past Winter Olympics here in Canada in a featurette and uh, very unfortunate how they got brought into the sport, but they, they, uh, they are great champions of the sport and great leaders and well remembered for any athletes uh, from the territories on uh, what you can do and how far you can go. That's why I picked them because that's I why you picked the them. Olympics. And as soon as as soon as you said indigenous athletes, I was like, "Bang jackpot!" They're right from my neck of the woods. So, <laughs> so uh, I wrote down a couple, not knowing what the others were to pick and who they were going to pick. I'm going to highlight someone that I did not know uh, existed before this, uh, which is one of the reasons why we are doing this. Uh, my feature athlete is Wanique Horn Miller. Uh, she is a Mohawk of Kanahawake, uh, and she rose to prominence during the Oka crisis. So those of you who are not from Canada or history's teachers have really fallen off the map and not done their proper due diligence. The Oka crisis uh, was a, a crisis between uh, the town of Oka and uh, the Mohawk of Kanahawake, uh, where the city wanted to build a golf course and they wanted to take the land uh, and a huge uh, disagreement broke out, which resulted in the military being called to deal with the issue which had never happened before uh and it really was a huge national issue 
and people it became a serious issue because people were injured and worse and during this Wanik was actually stabbed while carrying her younger sister uh, away from the crisis she was going through the crowd and she was stabbed by a bayonet uh, of a military member while carrying her younger sister this was at 14 years old and it was so close to her heart that if it was a few inches different she her heart would have been stabbed and she wouldn't we don't know if she would have survived All, almost dying from this experience she switched her mindset to become a leader and a stronger uh person how can you get stronger from surviving a bayonet stab uh, i don't know but she did it uh, she ended up putting all of her efforts into sport, and her sport of choice was water polo. Since that incident, she rose quickly in the ranks of ranked water polo players here in Canada, being selected to Team Canada to compete at the Pan Am Games in 1999, winning gold, and then being selected as captain just a few short months later to compete for Canada at the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Now, they were not able to capture a medal in Sydney, finishing fifth place, uh, but Wanik really showed great efforts and just leadership, uh, being for her people during a national crisis and protecting her family, taking that instance and nation defying event and near-death experience and funneling that to become the best indigenous water polo player Canada has ever seen, making it to the Olympics, winning a gold medal at the Pan Am Games and really rallying uh, her people uh, to show that leadership and that they are, you know, they are not defined by this one incident. Now, those are just a few of the hundreds of Indigenous athletes who have been on the world stage from Canada. We didn't even get to talk about the other nations, Indigenous people, how many Indigenous athletes play in the AFL for Aussie rules football, rugby, uh, for a lot of players in the Oceania region, here in Canada, the United States. Uh, so we encourage you all to do some research. Uh, go learn more about uh, Winnie, about the twins, about Tom Lomboat, uh, about Gaylord, uh, Angela Chalmers, Jordan Tutu, Fred Saskamoose. Could go on and on, and we probably should do another episode uh, on more of these people which sounds like uh, we will definitely have to do later on in season four uh we'll definitely get more people on the episode two for a bigger flavor of where people want to go but thank you so much for sticking with us uh, i know the hiatus was a little bit longer than anticipated but that is a-okay season four we're gonna knock your socks off we are going to uh, let's grow 10 more countries. Uh, but uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for episode one, season four. Uh, we, big things to come. Big guests. We're, we're going to get up there into maybe the top 500 downloaded podcasts of a nation. We'll get there. Uh, so for Paul, Cole, and Kenzie, uh, thank you so much for joining us this episode of the Sports Night Podcast. Join us on social media. Tell us what you want to hear. Ask us questions. We haven't done a Q&A episode yet. So if you have a question about sports, about living anywhere in Canada, why we're not all in the same city, uh, why are sports important to us? Why don't we read books? I don't know what your question is. Let us know. Send us an email, sportsunitepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on our social media pages. Please don't find us on our professional or, I guess, personal pages. We might be a little crazy.
creepy, but thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Enjoy the summer, unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then uh, Merry Christmas. Join the winter. Uh, and uh, sport on.